0: Hi, and thank you for joining us today on the NCMI podcast. We believe that ministry should always be done in team. The question is, why? Stan Phipps, who leads the eldership team at Glenridge Church in the city of Durban, South Africa, along with his wife, Heather, speaks about the why in today's podcast. This was a very helpful talk, which he shared with church planters and lead elders at a training week in South Africa. Just, uh, Marcus just said to do a little bit of a bio. My name is Stan, I'm married to my wife, Heather, 27 odd years together, married 32 years or 33 years together. We've got three children, we lead a church in Durban called Glenridge and uh, it's got a rich history and we're really delighted about where God's called us and put us there. We've been in eldership there since 2000, full time. We've been in the church since 95, so we've kind of been there through many of its seasons. And uh, it, is, it went through a bit of a tough patch a few years ago, but we are powering now. So it is absolutely delightful. Um, yeah, just absolutely delightful to be leading. Isn't it awesome to be leading when things are going forward? When things are going backwards, it's like, oh Lord, have you called me to this? And, uh, but I was, I've been reading that this, this church planter's manual. I think Ryan put it together. I said to him beforehand, what an absolutely outstanding resource. I've I've literally started reading from the beginning. I've, I'm kind of three-quarters of the way through. And even what I've said now is in the, in the notes, like read that thing, read it. That is years and years and years and years of experience, well-presented and well-written. Um, and it is an absolutely great resource. So we are, we are I lead an eldership team of eight couples. Um, five of them are brand new or kind of, well, relatively new before COVID, kind of we lost two years over COVID. And then we brought them on and COVID and we kind of, we, we working things out. It's been an amazing journey. Incredible men and women, gifted, highly gifted men and women. And I've got to say this, why team, I, I, I put a, I, put a if, I don't know if it's on this one, but one of the things I put Y team, exclamation mark, question mark. Okay, so it could be, oh Lord, Y team. Lord, please, don't, I don't want to do this. On one hand, because it's so difficult. But on the other hand, actually why team. it's profound and uh, what i want to do is you've got the notes for a whole bunch of theological stuff and um, what i want to do is kind of get into some quite practical things around what i think will be helpful to you and hopefully that will be good so if we can i'm just literally going to move through the through the um the powerpoint notes which actually are my are my notes as well so um if you want those you can you're welcome to have them I'm gonna cover a number of things, page 164 to 174 of the manual is, uh, is where it's at. And um, yeah, I'm gonna look at overview of teams and leaders, I'm gonna say why team, I'm gonna talk about seven models of team leadership that I've seen and experienced um, in the church over my years of being in the church, some instructions to team leaders, and then we're gonna do some instructions to team members, and then we're gonna look at some obstacles to good teamwork. And uh, that's where we're going. Every leader needs a team, and every team needs a leader. If you don't, if you've got a leader that doesn't have a team, it tends towards autocracy and unaccountability. However, if you have a team without a leader, we have death by committee. And if you've been in any form of leadership, that is probably the most dreadful thing you can be in. Is before you do anything. A committee has to be formed and a commission has to be made and this has to be done instead of getting on with what God's got us to, to do. So I'm trusting that part of what I've got to say today will inspire you to build teams and to inspire you to do good, build good teams, strong teams for your health, not just the health of the church. Uh, uh, part of the reason why, why we don't last in ministry is because we don't know how to build good teams. And we've got to be a people that actually understand that and do that profoundly well. So, all leadership, all leadership is functional. All leadership in the church is functional. If you're not functioning in it, you shouldn't be called it or be part of it. It's functional. We had an elder who was uh, quite sick for a number of years. He actually passed away um, over, over December. And he was got to the place where actually he was just unable to function, unable, his immune had literally had no immune system, he had a blood disorder, and he couldn't be in our meetings, couldn't do anything, couldn't even come to church on a Sunday. Eventually we had the conversation that actually, if you're not functioning in this, you need to be stepping aside and letting the people that can function in it operate. Not a bad thing, when he was better, when he's new, when he's ready to go again, come back onto team. But for now, it is a functional thing, it's not a position or a title. All leadership is also servant leadership. We gain influence by serving. And this is, friends, this is such a key part to even team, leading teams. If we're not there to serve people, but rather to be served, we're not being like Jesus. And I think part of the the challenge of this is getting the dimensions of this right, where we're able to lead, but we're also able to serve. Jesus got it right, and so I believe that we can get it right profoundly. All leadership is also contextual. So when you're building teams, your team has to reflect the context. Your team has to be appropriate for the context, whether it's age or race or whatever, all those different things that we have to deal with as church leaders. All leadership is contextual, and so is teams. And I think what we've got to make sure is we've got to be mindful of the kind of church we're leading, the kind of people that are in the church, the kind of ministry that needs to happen, and then begin to build teams that will reflect that and minister into that context profoundly well. All leadership also, this is just general comments, all leadership generally facilitates growth and empowerment of others. We are here for the benefit of others. God has blessed us so that we can bless others. Be fruitful Bless you, God says to them, bless you, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. It's part of this process. It's everything that we have got. We were blessed so that we can be fruitful. We're not just fruitful so that we can be fruitful. We're fruitful so that we can seed others that they can be fruitful. And that is how we get to the ends of the earth. We don't get to the ends of the earth by subduing it from the beginning. We get to it by being fruitful, multiplying it and filling it and moving forward. And that's the, I think it's the same for every team, for every context of leadership that we are in. In page 15 of your notes, I, I love this line. It says that, it said there, are you doing this alone? If so, you're doing it wrong. And I wanna say to every single one of us, I've been on a team I've led, a, I've led a site team, but that's part of a bigger team, and I'm now leading a team. The kind of over, overall leadership of the oversight of the church. And friends, if you're doing it alone, you're doing it wrong. And I think we've gotta make sure that's true in our marriages as much as it is in our churches and in the teams that we lead. I love this, I love this quote. The test of fruitful leadership is not how many followers you have, but the quality of leaders in the teams you develop. I think if you are one, if God is wanting to take us and put us into an influential space, if God is wanting to see people come to Jesus in profound numbers, and you need to be part of a team. We need to be building teams, we need to be raising up leaders and building teams. And it's kind of, it's not well we get people saved and, we, and maybe the leaders will come developing and raising leaders is hard work. And creating teams and developing teams is hard work because our natural disposition is always, it's easier for me to do it myself. And that is one of the biggest ways that we can lead to burnout is when we actually don't have teams and we think that we are central to everything that God is doing. So some reasons why you need a team. You need a team because you're not strong enough to do it alone. Get it into our heads, you're not strong enough to do this on your own. It doesn't matter the size of church that you're in, you need a team. You're not strong enough to do this alone. Jesus gathered a team around him. The apostles gathered teams around him to do this work of the ministry. You're not strong of us. None of us are strong enough to do this alone. You're also not good enough to do it alone. None of us are good enough to do this thing alone. It's a bit of a wake-up call because if you're a mover and a shaker and you're used to getting things done, I tell you, I've, I, I come from an engineering background. I've built roads, I've built bridges. I've, I've, I've led teams of people that have built roads and bridges. That is easy compared to ministry. We are not good enough to do this alone. And God makes sure that He puts us in a place That we understand we're not good enough to do this alone. We need a team. Number three is you're only one part of what the church needs. Not one of us has everything that our churches need. And God ensures that He puts a team together in our local context. I mean, God said to Adam, Adam, you can't do this on your own. It started there. And right through the scriptures, that what, what the church needs is more than what we can bring. And God will make sure that even in our team, what our church needs is more than what our team can bring. Hence, we have apostolic, prophetic, translocal ministry that we pull into because we're not good enough to do it on our own. And we're not, we don't bring everything the church needs for what we're doing. Teams are also part of the ways of God. I love this in Exodus chapter 33, verse 13, Moses says, Lord, I've found favor in your sight. But now, Lord, please show me your ways so that I can find favor in your sight. It's a little bit like, but I thought you found favor already. But then he says, but Lord, please show me a way so that I can find favor. I think what, what Moses has understood, or what that thing teaches us, is that, you know what? We can find favor with God because of the grace of the blood and the body of Jesus. But I think there's a greater favor in God to be found when we understand the ways of God. And the ways of God are not the teachings of God. It's the ways of God. It's like when you get married, on your first, on your, when you stand at the altar when you're getting married, everything is perfect, the perfect place, the perfect everything, perfectly dressed, perfectly, it's amazing. But friends, that's just the beginning about learning each other's ways so that you can be together and live a, in a fruitful, fruitful marriage. And it's the same thing with our relationship with God. We have everything we need in Christ, but as we learn to know God's ways, so our fruitfulness and favor increases in God's sight. And I think team is one of the ways of God that increases the favor over our life. It increases the influence of our life. It increases what God can do with us. As we begin to understand and play team, we also need a team to model what it is to be a team in the church. We need, a, we need an eldership team, we need a deacon team to model what it means to live team life out in every part of the life of the church. That's also why we've got to have a team. And then lastly, Leading team, you know, somebody said this, marriage is not for your happiness, it's for your holiness. Have you heard that before? It's like an old saying. I want to say this, for me, team is not for my happiness, it's for my holiness as well. It is probably the hardest thing that I do in ministry. I I find preaching easy, I find leading meetings easy, I find ministering, praying for the sick, counseling people easy. Ministry is easy. Relationships are difficult. And the reason why ministry breaks down is because we don't know how to do relationships. The reason why ministry breaks down is because we don't know how to do team. It, is, it will test every, when we are playing true team, it will test every limit of your maturity. It will test your insecurities. I was in a, in a one of the guys is doing a preaching uh, series with some young people at the moment on a Monday night, and now they've they kind of done their teaching and their thing, and now they're doing their preachers. so I thought, let me go and have a look at the, what, how they're doing. They've got 10 or 15 minutes, and then people kind of feed back. And anyway, the week before, they had done some, this is how you outline a preach, three points, da 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 On Sunday, I had a slide-up, by the grace of God, I had a slide-up, because I don't often do this you guys forced me to do this which is a good thing and um, and I had five points and then and then then the comment was yeah I I like that thing about three points and this because you can't remember and 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 they were looking at me like you had five points but we just learned three points and you had five you know and in that little moment you think hang on guys or it's water off a duck's back (laughs) It will test every part of us to play team well. Every limit of our insecurities will be tested in teamwork. So I want to give you seven types of leadership teams. One of them is the right way. The six of them aren't, but you will recognize all of them. The first one is this. The first model of leadership is leadership without a team. Leadership without the team. There's the red dot is the leader. The church is the yellow one. And this is, this is leading without a team. This is where there is a lone ranger. This is where you, at best you've got a benevolent dictator. You hope that he's good. This is the man of God. This is, this is the boss kind of leader. And I know one of these guys. They went on a, on a sabbatical for a year. His marriage was in trouble. And not part of our, our relationships and um, NCMR thing. And what happened is, he came back into the church, literally came back, they had amalgamated some churches, he came back into the life of the church, and um, he was that kind of leader, never had a team, hardcore, just going, 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 going. Friends, it's, it's, everybody needs a team. This kind, of, this kind of leading without a team is very, very dangerous. To the point that, it's, it's advisable that when you plant and you Ace up, that you actually get other people from another church, other eldership team, other team members to come and help you team it right from the beginning, before you've got anybody in it, so that you can start like you want to finish. What about this one? Leading apart from a team. So this is somebody that's got a team, but, they, but the team is kind of uh, in name and notion. But not really, kind of the team does what the leaders wants them to do. The leader's doing their own thing, but for for all intents and purposes, there's a team. But actually, the way it works is not the team. They're the lackeys of the leader. The leader does their thing. And a little bit better than working without a team, but nowhere near what God wants as we lead apart from a team. The next one. Leading through a team. Leading through a team. Again, leader tells the team what to do. The team implements. The team implements the vision of the leader. The team aren't called in to find out what God's saying. The team, the leader is the leader, and the team kind of does it. But there's no real interaction, relationship, togetherness, hearing God together. That's leading through a team. What about this one? Team leadership. This is actually my favorite. This is not a good one, by the way. Might sound like a good one, but it's not. This is where we don't believe you need a leader. And... I want to say this people come and say to me but you know what we've got to be a team like the godhead like the trinity and the trinity is our model for team leadership I want to tell you the trinity is not our model for team leadership in the trinity you have three persons that are one person and they all God In, in on earth you have a leader and you have other people and none of them are God and they're not co-equal, and they're not co-eternal. They're all completely different, uniquely broken, and different authority, different gifting, completely not what the Godhead is. And what happens is people say, no, no, this is a, we, we, we're a team. We don't actually have a leader. But what happens is, is the strongest personality leads. They will always emerge a leader. It, you can say there isn't, and maybe this, and then sometimes guys will say, yeah, but hey, you know what, over on a Sunday, we have an open mark, and people can come, in. maybe you can pull that off on a Sunday, but to pull that off in a team leadership as you're leading and doing what God's calling you to do is not the team I believe God wants us to build, and so you can have that team that's kind of disconnected from the church, or you can have that team that's so part of the church. And it's kind of the whole church is leading, but there's some of us that are leading a little bit more and there's no leader. Friends, this has got to be one of the most unhelpful forms of leadership there are around today. And there's lots of push towards this. Leadership by committee. Leadership by consensus. Remember, leadership is about trying to hear what God is saying, not leading. So never mind what God's saying, as long as we all agree. is not the way leadership works and teams work. What about this one? Being led by a team. This must be one of the most soul-destroying ways of being a leader. Grant was talking earlier about the presby- presbytery kind of model. This is where the leader's there, but the leader doesn't lead. The team leads and tells the leader, the leader's the face. And uh, he does or she does what the team needs, if it's an eldership team or a serving team or whatever it is, whatever team you've got. Once again, an unhelpful model of what team is. So now the pastor works for the team. You've got to know that that guy is not going to do a lot of leading. He's going to do a lot of listening, and probably only going to last a number of a very short period of time because that is the most soul-destroying thing. Especially if God's called you to be a leader. What about this one? Employed by a team or the church. So now you haven't just got a leader above you. Now you've got a full election voting model. The church decides the team, the team decides the leader. The leader is the bottom of the, of the rung. The person that is called to preach the gospel, they get told what to preach, how to preach it, and if you're not, you're out. All of these exist in church life today, currently. Higher and fire by the church. And the promises, the prayer goes, and you've heard this before, Lord, if you keep him humble, we'll keep him poor. We'll make sure that he's got just not enough. Once again, a poor example of team. Finally, we get to leading with a team. Leading with a team. Not leading without a team, not apart from a team, not alongside a team, not through a team, but with a team. This is where a team leads the church, And my role at the moment is the captain that leads the team, that leads the church. This is a very difficult way of building a team. We have got a team of strong, opinionated men and women in the team. They are, most of them, guns in their area of work and influence. They are gifted, they are talented. In fact, I think I'm way beyond my gifting. I'm like playing way, boxing way above my weight most of the time I feel. You see, the church needs this kind of team. That it's not limited by somebody's ego. It's not stroking somebody's ego. But actually, this is a team that can hear God together. This is a team that can disagree. This is a team that, that can find each other in the appearing of God. And even if you disagree, you're still in it together moving forward. This is a team that has high value for relationship. This is a team that has high value for the word of God. This is a team that believes in team. And this is a team that, where the leader is part of the team, not apart from the team. This, is a team. this is a team where everybody is co-equal, but there's a first among equals. There's a captain of the team. And we recognize that captain of that team by the call of God and the design of God for that time. And we honor that. And every, every member honors one another. And they're able to talk to each other. This is, a, this, is a, this is a model where there's circles within circles and teams within teams. Where as a team leader, I can pull three people together and say, guys, we want to talk about this. And the other people are not worried. Hey, how come I wasn't included in those three? This is a way of building where you've got high honor, high honesty, high vulnerability, high transparency, high maturity. I wish we were completely there. I wish I was completely there. This is a team where the leader is listening to the team. And the team is listening to the leader. And everybody's listening to God. This is a team where the church has access to the leader. And doesn't have to jump through 20 secretaries and five assistants. Because the leader's captain of the team, but part of the team, and part of the bigger team. And there's lots of little feedback loops between the leader and the team, and the team with each other. And the leader themselves are not insecure when they are not there, and the team is carrying on. In fact, you rejoice in the fact when you're not there, and the team is carrying on. And things the church Sunday is better when you're not there. This is circles within circles. This is teams within teams. The leader has confidence in the team and the team has confidence in the leader. It's organic. It's fluid. It moves. It can change. It can shape. It's, it's, it's flexible. This is where you can actually hear God from hearing God from the scriptures. You can hear God through the team. In fact, you can hear God through the sheep because you 're in touch with the sheep, but, and you can hear you don 't get led by the sheep, but you can hear God what the, this in fact, this weekend we did a whole le- um, serving drive and kind of saying yes to serving and getting on with what god 's called us to do and a guy during the week sent me a voice note saying, he feels like there 's a net that god, during our leadership meeting, he, there was a net that, that God was giving our church, and that net was people serving and people participating and everyone was joined to the other and God wanted to send a big harvest of fish but we need a big net, the bigger the net the bigger the, the harvest that God will send to me that was God's, as, as I heard that I thought actually that's the word for Sunday as we call people to serve and we've had our biggest ever serving hands up ever for the last 10 years and I thought actually that's. I went to the guy and I said bro before it I said bro that's, that's the word for us we can hear God through the sheep. Leading with a team. We want to lead with a team. And as I said earlier, it will test every part of you. If you think you're not, you know, you know when, you, when you, um, you think you're 100% and then you get married and you realize, hey, flap Or actually you look at your your wife after you got married and you think, fuck, you've changed a lot. Why are you you so difficult? Meantime, it's actually you the problem. And then you get along and then you have kids and you think, ah, we get to that and we've got space. and Fantastic. Then you have kids and it's like, ah, Lord, so selfish. For me, that's what team is like. I love team. I'm actually learning to love team and enjoy leading team, but it absolutely tests me at every level. It's absolutely profound, and I think it's so good for me. So some instructions to team leaders. Some instructions to team leaders. I think probably the biggest thing I can give to you as a team leader is pray for your team. Pray for your team. Pray for your new members in your team. Pray for your old members in your team. Pray for those that should be on your team. Pray for your team. In fact, I think the unity of the team, the temperature of the team, the, the togetherness of the team is so dependent on the prayer of the captain of the team. We've got to be praying for our teams. Instructions to team leaders. Number two, make sure you never stop building teams. We've got to keep building teams. And if it's not you doing it because you've got something, you've got to get somebody doing it. Identifying new leaders, recruiting new leaders, training them and get and then deploying them. We've got to be continually building teams, friends. As soon as we stop building teams, it's it's like that net analogy. It's like God, the net stops being built, and you can only catch that amount of fish. We've got to be building teams, continually building teams. Number three, instruction to team leaders. You are the example of a team player. You're an example of what it means to be in a team, part of a team, leading a team. You yourself have got to carry the vision and the values of the church. If you're not living it, if you're not doing it, the team won't do it, the church won't do it. We've got to make sure that we are continually on the cutting edge of what God is saying to the church and living it in a profound way. And as the church gets bigger and as, the church, as your life gets busier, those things shape and they move a little bit, but at the end of the day, we've got, to be doing, we've got to be living this out. We are the greatest example of what we're gonna get. And for those of you that are on teams, be a good team member now. Because you know what? The team that you're gonna get is you. Is you. If you're an example of a good team member, there's a sowing and reaping principle in the kingdom of God that what happens is we get team members like we were. We are an example to our team. Number three, number four is this. Instructions to team leaders. The loneliness and the pain of a team leader is absolutely real. That's why it's so difficult. They the, the reality is you feel things in the church, you carry a weight in the church that the rest of the team doesn't carry. Because you are called and graced to do that. As I've said, I've been on a team. I've led a team as a site captain. We started a site, led that team, handed that over and now leading the overall team. Nothing prepares you for overall leadership and the pain and the loneliness of that at times, even when you've been a good team member in your previous team life. It's real, just accept it. There'll be grace for it. That's why Jesus got away on the top of the mountain regularly. And found his father. People will disappoint you. People will misunderstand you. People will accuse you. People will tell you what you are and what you're not. It's part of the package. Don't be surprised. Step into it with faith. Know what God's called you to. Make sure that you've got friends. You know, one of the things that I've realized over this last little while, how few lead gu- people, lead couples have good friends have good friends I'm talking about friends that you can go and have fun with have a glass of wine with sit around the fire with and talk nonsense not church just nonsense pain and the loneliness of leader, team leadership is real make sure that you've got good friends make sure that you've you're connected to an apostolic prophetic translocal team that can help you and be a friend to you when you need it it's real there's ways of living through it. You just gotta find the grace in God to do it because it's absolutely gonna come. Number five, listen deeply to your team. Listen deeply to your team. Those men and women have laid down whatever they call called to do so that they can be on your team. They're not there by accident if you've heard God in bringing them on. Listen to them. You didn't have to have all the answers. You didn't have to have all the solutions. Listen to your team. That's why God gave them to you. Many of them are prophetic. Learn to hear God through our team. It's a blessing from God. And the more we do that, the more ownership they have in the team. Because they realize, actually, I'm playing a part. I'm not just being told what to do. I'm not a rubber stamp of something. Number six, empower each gifting and clarify expectations. I'm going to do that together with hold people accountable. I think every team, this is what's difficult in team. So you can, you, uh, you can live to empower people and you can live t- and you can clarify expectations. Guys, I expect you to be in these meetings. I expect you to do this. I expect you to do that, etc. I said, tell you what's difficult, which we don't do well generally, is holding people to account. Especially the ones that are not getting salary from the church. I find it much easier if they're working. Hey, guys, listen, but you're getting a salary. Learning to hold people to an account for what they've said they're going to put their hand up for and doing it is a difficult thing. But if we don't, friends, we're not going to build the team that God wants us to have. Number eight, work with the team. I'm just going to rush through these. Don't see your team as subordinates. This is a team of which you're part of. You're called to lead it. Your function and your role is to lead this team. Not to be the boss of the team. The head of the church, there is only one head of the church. His name is Jesus. And God delegates responsibility to us. What an absolute privilege. And we've got to learn to work with the team. Instructions to lead uh, team leaders. Team harmony is our responsibility. We've got to learn to resolve conflict quickly. If we don't, if we say now it's going it's, to, it's, it'll kind of sort itself out. It never just sorts itself out. You have to have difficult conversations. You have to pick up the, the temperature and the, the uh, you've got to have some EQ, some, some kind of, um, emotional quotient in the team. I've been on teams where the leader has had zero emotional quotient. Well, I've had to go and say, listen, bro, something is going down. We need to do something about this. Can you not feel it? Friends, part of a team leader is to feel those things and to know those things and to hear God for those things and to not be insecure and to be bold and to be courageous and to deal with them so that the team can move on. Number 10, be vulnerable and accountable. As a team leader, be vulnerable and accountable. And you know what, you know what the, the reality is? Is I think it's very difficult for the team to come to you and say, some, for some people it is, to come to you and say, you know what, Stan, actually da-da-da-da. I think it would be great if they did, and I've got to be secure enough to hear that. But I think a better way for a team leader is for the team leader to voluntarily hold themselves to account. Get one or two, or even in the greater eldership, say, guys, this is what I'm feeling, or this is what I felt, or this is what happened, and actually demonstrate an example what it means to be held accountable by being vulnerable. It's a difficult thing leading a team. But when we get it right, friends, we find a favor and an influence that is profound. I think God wants to build churches where these kinds of teams are just normal. And then very lastly, as a team leader, and this is another one that just eludes so many teams, is we've gotta learn to laugh and have fun. We've gotta have fun, guys. The kingdom of God is about joy. It's about peace and righteousness. It's not just about righteousness. It's about joy. We've gotta learn to laugh. We've gotta have times away together, and as a leader, we've gotta learn to figure out when those times are. It's been so difficult over COVID. For two years, our team hasn't been away. We've got a time plan now in March just to go and have fun together, and laugh, and talk, and worship together, and see what God does. We've gotta learn to have fun together. And our job as a team leader, I think, is to make sure that that is true. Some instructions to team members, quickly. Let's get my team members, like the team leaders, pray for your team, pray for your leader regularly. As a team member, we've got to make sure that we're praying for our leader regularly. What we, the, the, the worst thing that can happen to a team is that the leader loses courage and stops leading. It's one of the worst things that can happen. And, and sometimes because the team puts pressure or just because of circumstances become overwhelming, we've got to pray that God would give our leaders strength and courage. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Be strong and courageous multiple times. Don't be scared, don't be terrified. Be strong and courageous, Number two, for team members, be a joy and encouragement to leaders. When you understand the weight of leadership, when you understand how difficult it is, how profoundly um, weighty it is, how much you have to deal with insecurities, etc., etc., man, to have a team member that just encourages you, just encourages you, that says yes, not all the time, but just is there is an absolute profound thing. As a team, as team members, we're not called to be balancing factors. We have this thing, I'm not gonna be a yes man. I just don't wanna be a yes man. I don't know if you've had heard people say that. So what we do is we react the other way and we become the no man. Friends, our job, our job is to bring joy and encouragement to the team and especially the team leader as, a, as members. And as I said earlier, part of that is just getting behind the basic vision and values of the church, which God has given us as a team, just getting behind them. And just outworking them brings so much joy to the team leader. The simple things. Instructions to team members, hold the team leader accountable by giving honest feedback. You know what happens, friends? We... We say that, well, we want, we want team leadership. And then what we do is we put it on the team leader to make team leadership. You know, to be a good team leader means you've got to participate in the team. It means you've got to open your mouth. It's not the, it's not the leader's job to open your mouth. It's your job to give honest feedback and to be honest about it. Is it a vulnerable place? Yes, it is. It's a vulnerable, all leadership is vulnerable. But being on a good team, being a good team member means you, you, you say your part when you, need to, when you need to, and you're there when you need to, and you put your hand up when you need to. That's being part of a team. And so often I've had conversations, Yeah, oh, this guy's so strong, such a strong leader, oh, you can't, no, 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 you were a weak team member. He might have been a very strong team leader, but you were a weak team member. You didn't participate, you didn't open your mouth, and then you do passive aggressive and open your mouth outside of the meeting. That's not good team. It's difficult to play in team, friends. We need grace to play in team. Instructions to team members participate in the team. I've spoken about it already. Be diligent with your gifts and lead in your area of responsibility. Be diligent with your gifts. Take responsibility. And then lastly, work cooperatively. I love that. I think that's what it means to submit. Work cooperatively. It doesn't mean you have to agree on everything. You can have your nuances. Grant spoke about the different degrees of of things that are in the open hand, things on the closed hand. But friends, as a team, we've got to learn to work cooperatively with each other. Be called to submit to one another. And we honor the role that the team captain has. And we, and we get behind that and we work cooperatively with them so that we can move forward. And obviously, I'm not talking about this, the, the, the exceptions to that rule of when there's blatant sin and, and there's morality, moral issues and ethical issues and there's heresy and, and a continual violation of basic values of, of the team leader. You, that's, that's why the team leader needs you because you actually need to talk and, you, and it doesn't have to be in the public space it doesn't happen to be, have, to, have to be with everybody there pull them aside, have a coffee and say listen guys, listen bro you say that prayer is important and we have a p- corporate prayer meeting but you're never there it's not good that's a good team member and if the team leader gets insecure with that, team leader's got to go to God. To play team is unbelievably difficult. But we have to, if we want the favour and influence that God wants us to give us. And then lastly, my last slide is obstacles to good teamwork. Obstacles to good teamwork. What stops us from being a good team? Number one, your flesh. Your lack of spiritual formation stops you from being a good team player or team leader. God has got us, you know, a, a, a follower of Jesus, is a, a disciple is a disciplined learner. It's a very diff, a definition of a disciple, a disciplined learner. Which means when you stop learning, you stop being a disciple. In the technical sense. I know you're a follower of Jesus and you're saved. I'm saying you stop being a disciple of Jesus when you stop learning. It doesn't matter how old we are, friends. Our spiritual formation is till we die. The blood of Jesus till we die. The grace of God till we die. And, and we're with him. We will forever be learning. be Forever being transformed more and more into his likeness. And the, one of the biggest reasons why we don't play team well is because we have a lack of spiritual formation. It's profoundly difficult to play team. One of the big reasons is that. I know. I'm speaking from experience. Because God has had to quickly form me. And my greatest former is my wife. And the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and my wife. I don't know which is first. My wife has an unbelievable ability to shoot straight from the hip and say, stop being insecure and get over it, okay? Tell you what, friends, our marriages, in this team thing, your marriage will model what your team is gonna look like. If you've got boss-ship in marriage and not headship in marriage, you're gonna have boss-ship in your team instead of headship or captaincy in in your team. If we can't listen to our wives and we can't listen to our children, we're in trouble. They're not leading us, we're just listening to hear God. God, is this you speaking? And when my wife speaks, I know I better open my ears. Because what's happening in that moment is spiritual formation every time. I wanna encourage you around that. Number two, obstacles to, to good teamwork. Lack of trust, transparency, and vulnerability. Spoken about that a bit already. When we're not vulnerable, I'm not talking about sharing your deep, dark secrets. I'm talking about leading in a space where you're not always in control. It's vulnerable. Because the way you get rid of vulnerability is to control it. To, to have a discussion where you're not always the center of it, where the team is fashioning and forming, and you've got an opinion, and you might have the biggest opinion that counts ultimately, ultimately, but to have that discussion takes maturity and vulnerability and trust. I have a lady in our church. She was Mrs. Dale Carnegie in Durban. You know Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. Her and her husband were, did all the courses and the whatever, now I'm busy preaching. She comes to me and she says, Stan, just, I felt like I was nodding off in that preach that you were doing oh yes thank you and the reason is this this and this if you change that that won't happen I'm like Louise you're absolutely a blessing now that is one of the sheep one of my favorite sheep Who's able to come and talk to me to shape me so that I can become a better preacher better communicator part of the team. Might not be part of my family team or my eldership team or even our deacon team, but she's part of the big church team. Vulnerable trust, transparency is absolutely profound. Insecurity in leaders, spoken about this already. We've got to get over our insecurities, friends, and we've got to learn to discern what's insecurity and what's God. Am I picking up something in the heart of this person or is it actually my heart that's a problem? And that's where it's helpful to get other opinions, people's opinion and perspective if things are starting to get out of hand. I think one of the big things that we do as leaders of teams is the vision that we have is so kind of around our vision that it's not big enough for the rest of the team to move into So if you've got a team of big-hitting, big-capacity people, they need something to run at. And if it's too small, they they can't find a lane to run in what God has given them. We've got to make sure that I think in our teams, as we lead our teams, that we cast a big enough vision that everybody can run into it and everybody can find their lane and find their place as they walk into what God has for us as a church. Number four. Obstacles to good teamwork I learned this a number of years ago. Unity in the team is not just relational unity. Unity in the team is philosophy of ministry, unity, so how we do things in this church. might be a biblical, might be biblical, whatever, but just it's kind of the way it's our home values, the way we operate it's our home our home is allowed to be different to other people's home without it being unbiblical. There's relational unity and there's theological unity. And you can't fix theological disunity with relational unity. If the issue is theological, you can't keep fixing it by saying, you know what, we're just brothers and we've got to be together and we're family. No, you've got to fix the theological disunity. So one of the obstacles to building a good team is making sure that we have ministry philosophy unity in the team, that we've got theological unity, and we've got relational unity, and addressing each of those things as they need to be and not confusing them. Not, so if you're diagnosing, there's, there's, a, there's a constant, when, the guy, when you get together, there's a constant head If you diagnose it as, the, as, as relational disunity, then you fix it relationally. But actually, if the problem is theological, it's the wrong diagnosis, so you're fixing it with the wrong solution. I think we've got to be aware when we're building teams those different kinds of unity that we're trying to build. And it doesn't mean everybody's exactly in the middle of everything. Everybody's in a a sphere of something, but we generally agree this is how we want to do things. Obstacle to good teamwork, avoiding accountability, confrontation, and conflict. I've spoken about that already. We cannot avoid these things. It will come back and bite us eventually. These are the practical things of building teams that I find so difficult. Number six, a lack of commitment and time availability. Especially when we've got marketplace leaders. Marketplace eldership team. Our our eldership team now is 50-50. Actually, there's more marketplace one of the questions I ask, are you called? Are you anointed? Yes, yes, yes. Have you got time? If you haven't got time, you can't be on eldership. You might be called, you might be then if you if you feel like you are called to do that, then you've got to find something that will give you the time to do it. Time availability. We need to be together. Sometimes we just need to be together. Never mind do work together. We just need to be together. Have coffee together, have fun together. If you haven't got time for that, it's very difficult to build good teamwork. And then obviously a lack of commitment to these things is always an obvious obstacle to good teamwork. And then lastly, lack of team spirit, lack of having fun. I said that positively before, I've said that negatively now. If we don't have fun, friends, you know, teams, rugby teams, cricket teams, they are teams that need the spirit to get team spirit. We are a community of people that have a spirit that forms a team. So if we're not doing work around the presence of God, if we're not being with each other in prayer, I think one of the obstacles that I haven't put here, not praying together as a team. You see, what pulls us together is Jesus and the spirit of God. That's what holds us together. If we're not in that place, we always lack the team spirit, the spirit of team. Which is what builds good teams. And part of that spirit of team, believe it or not, the Holy Spirit loves it when we are laughing. He loves it when we are having fun. He loves it when we are joking. He loves it when we're doing and we're living in that place and we're finding each other and having fun. I think if we don't do that, we are robbing our teams of what could be in God. And lastly, I want to say this to you. There's great joy in leading and working in team. As difficult as it is, as painful as it is at times, as shaping, as maturing as it is at times, there's great joy to be found because when it works, friends, nothing can beat it. When a marriage works, nothing can beat that. Nothing can separate that. And the same for a team. There's such great joy in leading in a team. And sitting back, I love this. I love sitting back and just watching the team operate. I don't know if there's any, any greater joy that I could possibly have in ministry. It never used to be like that. But over the years now, I've realized, man, that is what makes me come alive. That's what makes me come alive. When this team is operating, when the team is serving, when there's commitment, when there's just going forward, we, and, and different teams have different moments for the church's future or for the current, what the church needs. So our team at the moment, so I've looked at our teams that I've been part of since, 19, since 2000. I've been in different teams led by different people and every team, is, is, its strength is what the church needs for the moment. And our team at the moment is very prophetically wired. So we can come into a prayer meeting And as the prayer starts coming, it's like God starts speaking to us. And it's out of those prayer moments that we put in place, that, then that, then that, then that. But if we we don't understand prayer, if we don't understand team, what happens is you think, no, I've got to come up with it all the time. When in fact, my job is actually just to facilitate God speaking to us so that we can do what's His will. So that heaven can come to Durban as it is on earth, as like it is in heaven, comes, comes to earth. That's what we, that's, that's the joy of team. And I trust that this has been helpful and I trust that you will build outstanding teams at home, in your families, in your churches, in your workplaces, wherever you are, because there's great joy in it, in Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Thanks for joining us today. Remember to go to ncmi.net for more resources.